the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 201. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Mark Derricket. And I'm Oliver Smith. Welcome along, guys. Great to, um, great to have you both here. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Now, start with you, Oliver, because yep. you're, uh, you're new. We haven't had you on the podcast before. Yep. So just uh, let everyone know where you, where you fit into this uh, technology and telecommunications world of ours in New Zealand. Yep. So, um, so I work for uh, Spark Ventures, um, the sort of incubation division of, of Spark, or formerly Telecom, and uh, I run uh, Big Pipe, which is the uh, ISP uh, that's you know making changes around the New Zealand broadband world. Woohoo! Yes, very exciting. Just launched our new UFB plans. Pretty cool. Okay, well we'll ask you a little bit about that uh, yep. later. And Mark, I'm a lead software developer for SMX New Zealand, uh, doing hosted email anti-spam, and also running the illegal argument Java podcast. And just a general tech head that quite likes quite likes to dabble with a gadget or two or three hundred. I, I, I like to buy headphones. Apparently, cool. How you uh, how you enjoy the uh, the Sennheisers today uh, while we do the podcast? Mm, they're okay, they're oh, not quite up to your yeah. uh, standards. There's a little bit of external noise bleed coming in, so yeah. all right. Uh, well, I apologise for that. All right, uh, now let's let's jump in. Uh, first, a couple of news bites. So uh, we've just heard that uh, reports have come in that there's been a massive uh, list of Dropbox uh, credentials leaked. Now, apparently, just a few hundred of those have been made available online uh, to date, and uh, but it's rumoured that there could be as many as uh, 7 million username and password combinations out there in relation to uh, Dropbox. So uh, there are some suggestions going around that you might like to reset mm. your, uh, your password. Um, there's been, I understand, a bit of pushback from Dropbox uh, saying these, that these haven't been um, sort of hacked from their, uh, their, their service directly. Um, so no doubt we'll hear a little bit more on that in time, but uh, I guess the usual recommendation applies as always. Uh, use a different password for each service. Uh, so if you've got one password for Dropbox, make sure you're not using it anywhere else. Uh, now also hearing um, reports that the iPhone 6 pre-orders for China have soared past 20 million units. That's nuts. That's a crazy number, that's a isn't lot it? Of phones, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if accurate, that's um, that's going to be double the number of iPhone six and six plus units that uh, sold on opening, uh, you know, their, their launch weekend in the in the US and uh, other parts of the world in their, their initial launch. Uh, and in other news, uh, UFB only uh, internet provider MyRepublic have uh, have launched in New Zealand. Um, with their unlimited plans, their uh, their initial uh, service offering is sort of on a uh, three month trial basis. So um, that's an interesting uh, interesting way for them to uh, to scoop up some customers to get themselves started. Uh, no doubt we'll be hearing from you, Oliver, a little bit about. Uh, what Big Pipe are offering in the UFD sure, space a little, a little bit later on. Absolutely. Um, but for now, let's let's jump into uh, into our discussion topics for uh, for this episode. Uh, now we've got a number of shiny new gadgets here. Uh, a couple from Sony, um, but to start with, let's talk Samsung because uh, they've got some pretty fancy new gear coming onto the market. Uh, the first of which launches this week, which is the uh, Galaxy Note Four. Uh, often referred to as a phablet, uh, nice uh, chunky big phone, which uh, we've currently got sitting inside the um, the Gear VR um, headset. All right, we've pulled that out. Um, so, Mark, you've got it there just next to the iPhone 6 Plus at the moment. They're, they're both pretty humongous uh, smartphones. What's... Yeah. What's your what's your uh, what's your preference looking at the uh, the the two? They're well, they're both pretty uh, pretty hefty, aren't they? They're both pretty hefty, but only one of them runs Android. <laughs> well, I guess being the uh, which the, one the giant Android uh, <laughs> fanboy that you are, um, they're both very heavy phones as well. <laughs> well, they're uh, they're halfway to a tablet, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, and 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 hence the name. I do hear that they both do suffer from the bend issue, though. Well, I think if you if if you put them in your, any smartphone, especially one of that sort of size, into your back pocket, 
uh, or if you put a laptop into your back pocket, if you've got a big enough laptop uh, back pocket, um, I would say you're going to get some bending issues. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, if they do make these hard shell cases for a reason. But um, one of the guys at work was discussing and uh, mentioning that the new glass that the iPhone's using is more of a bendy glass. And we're speculating whether the fact that the glass is bendier, whether that is contributing to the strengthening of the case. Because once you've got solid glass, keeping shape. Mm. So it might allow the phone to bend a little bit, but but less likely to shatter. A little bit too much, maybe. Yeah, maybe too much. <laughs> it's certainly not something I've covered, because I've tried giving them both a little bit of a push, and they're, they're both reasonably uh, reasonably stable, shall we say. They're both very sturdy, yeah. solid things that you could probably kill someone with if you smashed them. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, wasn't my intention this evening, but uh, if we end up with less uh, less people on the podcast halfway through, then uh, hey, who knows what has happened? Um, at least it's all going to be recorded. Um, but I mean, look, looking at the handset there, I mean, we've got this sort of surround, this metal edge surround now on the um, on on the Note Four, and this is something you know that we're just starting to sort of see from Samsung. And it is quite reminiscent of um, of the you know the iPhones in some ways. Yeah, it looks uh, quite that, that sort of um, uh, edging. Uh, also, we were looking before at the um, the, the Lumia nine thirty has a has something uh, has something sort of similar to it. There seem to be a lot of uh, devices coming out with that sort of reminds um, me of the HTC edge. One. Yep, and um, yeah, I mean HTC is is a you know a pretty sturdy handset wherever that is hiding around here um, somewhere. So yeah, there's there's definitely um, I guess a sort of a premium feel to the, to you know to it with that compared to just being the straight plastic. Do you like yeah. do you like that feel? I I do like the what you call this the backing it's the kind of like textured leatherish feel mm. rather than just the tacky plastic of like the S3s and very very nice to hold mm. quite different though we have got the um the HTC um 1M8 there which is you know you've got that full sort of uh metal back to it mm. uh and it is it's a very different feel but i mean if if you had a phone of this size um that wasn't at least partly plastic, it would end up extremely heavy, wouldn't it? That would be yeah. that would be. I a always challenge. found the S3s with their smooth plastic backs felt like they're very slippery. That you're going to like just accidentally drop them. Whereas this is, it's got a nice grip on it. With the with the metal back, you know, it, it looks beautiful. But Excuse me. unless you wear a cover, uh, put a cover on it, it's going to get scratched up anyway. In which case, and if you're putting the cover on it, then who cares what it looks like? So. And that is a bit of a challenge with these mm. new phones when you're carrying around a $1,000 plus item in your pocket if you want it to remain as good as the day you bought it for um, yeah, for most of its life, then, yeah, you do have to uh, consider whether a, a case is, is appropriate. And the, and the good cases do add quite a bit of weight as well to it. I mean, that's what I found with my old iPad. You know, it's just added so much weight to the iPad it didn't didn't like it at all. I'd rather have it without the case and get it a bit scratched. And yeah, risk it, risk yeah. it. Or in the case of the, the Sony Z2s, they block the NFC. <laughs> well, that does seem to be a problem you've been having. It's a, it's a feature, not a bug, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> all right. So, um, I mean, there are, there are a few other things. In t- I mean, in terms of its capabilities, it's, uh, it's a, yeah, a pretty powerful uh, handset overall. Um, launching here in New Zealand on Friday. So um, not not too far off for those who um, are the fan of um, of a bigger uh, bigger handset. You've got the quad HD display, so uh, you know two and a half thousand uh, pixels in terms of um, height. Do you know what version of Android they're running? Four point four point four, I believe, at this right. stage. So um, no doubt we will be seeing. Um, so I, I think the rumor is that Android L, the version five, is going to be released in about a week or two. It's yeah, it's certainly not not far off, is it? So so we're back to the, that question of well, these handsets are being released now. Will how long till they get the new boot, the next version of Android? Which is always that question on Android versus iPhone. iPhone when they release iOS, you just deploy it and hopefully it actually works and. Yeah, maybe the odd teething issue, but uh, much more accessible the new version. So, yeah, it is one of those uh, 
one of those uh, one of those constant challenges. Um, but um, yeah, I, I guess that's just that's just the reality with a new Android handset uh, that. Yeah, you may have to wait for a yeah. for a, for an update, or it may never get it. In some cases, in some cases, I, I mean, I think we, it's usually the cheaper that, ones. That's though, pretty yeah. unlikely at this end of the yeah. market with these high end handsets yeah. that you're not going to get. Um, you're not going to get that. But um, well, I think Android's still carrier driven, whereas yeah. iPhone is Apple driven. So you have to go through all the, all the carrier testing at, at Spark and Vodafone and whatnot. Yeah. Which yeah, so this yeah, there's there's some there's some certainly some pros and cons of that. Um, all right, so yeah, so that'll be out in the market here in New Zealand on Friday. I think we're talking about just trying to check in on the um, on the pricing. I think we're talking eleven hundred and forty nine as the uh, as the launch price for the um, for the Note Four. You either of you guys be uh, be lining up for uh, for that? No, no. Not no, I'll, I'll not be probably going for the iPhone 6 Plus, I think. I've only recently yeah. gone to the Z2, so that's my big phone move for, for some time now. All right, so talking about... Uh, this is the sexy thing, though, I think. Yeah, so talking about yeah. what goes with it, we've got here the, um, the Gear VR, and this is, is probably one of the... Well, it, it is. It's a completely unique accessory uh, in the market. Here um, and globally, now Oliver, you're probably the best person to talk about this because this is a this is something done in collaboration with Oculus. Mm. Um, I know uh, you guys at, at uh, Big Pipe had bought uh, ten of the um, the latest Oculus um, right. yep. units, and um, yeah, you, you've been showing them off recently. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the um, so we so we Gear bought- VR. Well, we bought 10 of the Oculus Rifts, the, the dev tickets, so we've been, we've been playing around with them and, and playing some games and Alien Isolation and Half-Life 2 and a few other games like that, and it's been pretty cool, good fun. Um, this is this is really nice. I like this. Um, it's a lot lighter than the than the, the dev ticket, even when you have the phone um, clipped in. Um, it's It doesn't have the head tracking because there's no camera out there to look at you to watch your head moving around, so you do miss out on that. Um, but it's a lot more portable. You know, with the Oculus, the slightly annoying thing is that you are tethered to your to your PC the whole time and so you've got this long cable and you can't really turn around that easily and, and be that immersed and it only really works really well for things like you know driving games or things like that where you would expect to be sitting down anyway mm. um, but this I feel like this is this could be um, pretty exciting for things like um, you know first person shooters and stuff like that provided you've got enough grunt in the phone and because the phone isn't an integral part of the device itself you know it's fully upgradable I assume you know the next the next version of this this phone will be more powerful and can just clip right in the front. And you can you've got upgrades right there. So yeah, um, I mean potentially we hopefully. we don't know that, but it's certainly yeah. produced in such a manner um, that yeah. you can imagine that happening. Yeah, I mean talking about the processing in the phone, um, what we're dealing with here is something that's got two quad core processors inside it. So yeah, yeah that's that, there's a there's a fair bit of uh, of, of yeah. processing power. And from the bits and pieces I looked at it, you know, it seemed to run pretty, uh, pretty smoothly. It works pretty well. It's, it's, it's definitely not quite as good as, as the Oculus. Um, I mean, you need a pretty decent grunty PC to, to use the Oculus Rift and you're just not going to get that within a phone, even, even a top end smartphone. But, um, having said that, you know, from, from playing it just now, it was, it was pretty cool. Well, I liked it. The, the, um, yeah, the visual facility was was good. It was, yeah, it was a good picture. It'll be interesting to see what the you know what sort of content comes down the track because mm. at the moment there isn't a huge amount of content. Yeah, I mean we we watch that sort of uh, immersive um, un- underwater underwater uh, experience. Got eaten by a shark, yeah. and uh, yeah, got swallowed by the shark. <laughs> <laughs> certainly made Mark jump, which was quite entertaining to watch, well, I've I, got to say, mate. I mean, I think the main thing from that was I was facing away from the shark and just turned into it at that right time. Yeah. Right, right. So, so you didn't know it was coming. So I didn't actually know it was coming. And it wasn't necessarily like the kind of the shock of, oh, horror. It was, it was more just this screen full of pixels. That, mm. And then you're, you're realizing, wait, that's the inside of a mouth. It is just that so much more immersive than just playing a game on a screen, you know, because the characters are right up in your face. You know, you feel like they're right there next to you instead of instead of just being on a monitor that's you know two or three yeah. feet away from you. Mm. I think mm. it was also at that particular time I just got the 
the headset tightened enough that it was actually quite comfortable and wasn't kind of like starting to fall off my face. Mm. So I was comfortable and I'd fallen into that immersive nature. Mm. And then it just ended quite abruptly, mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> quite viscerally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, now we don't know the we don't know the price for uh, for the headset yet. It's not being launched on Friday uh, at the same time as the um, as the Note Note Four, um, but I think it's something which is probably going to be pretty popular. A couple of hundred bucks I with would think. Uh, with you know with, yeah. with tech enthusiasts. Yeah, there's not a huge amount to it. There's obviously lenses and so on that uh, help you drill into the screen um, and you know because you've got that that quad HD screen you are dealing with a pretty high resolution but even that once you put the headset on um, it doesn't look very uh, yeah I, it doesn't look that high def does I it? I did find yeah. it quite pixelated and I'm not sure I'd want to play a lot of stuff for a good length of period of time You do get a bit of eye strain and a, bit, a little bit of motion sickness as well because you, you're not moving but your brain's telling you that you're moving and so it did find that after playing playing Half Life for a bit, that you do get a bit of motion sickness. And you have to take it off and you know sort of sit down for a bit and have a beer. <laughs> just just to, just to help with your balance. Just to calm yeah. Down. yeah, yeah. It was very good at um, blocking out all the actual real world external yes. light in, in yeah. the office. Mm. So when I took the unit off, it was like, whoa, it's quite bright in here, and my eyes were like, going, oh, that's bright again. Well, there's some quite fun sort of cinema experiences that you can do with it where. You know, you get the impression that you're sitting in a cinema, that you're, you know, in the back row or something, and you're looking at a hundred foot screen, and it kind of feels like you are. And you know, if you've got good surround sound headphones, it's it's a cool experience. Like it's kind of like being in the cinema, but not. Yeah, and um, I think as the yeah. screen definitions get higher and higher, we, mm. we are talking a you know a pretty high def screen there. Yep. But I think it's that that you're quite close to it, and the the lenses sort of zoom you in a bit. Yep. Uh, but you know, if we were talking, and I guess eventually we'll get four K, eight K. Uh, type resolution screens yeah. for this this sort of thing. It will become a Not pretty, far away at all, pretty immersive experience um, overall. Right. So it does uh, need more yeah. content though. I mean, yeah. that'll come, I'm sure. But um, mm. at the moment, it's mostly just sort of tech demos and hacks of existing games and things like that, which which do work well. But yeah, um, and once these products are launched, if enough of them sell, then you can imagine the game developers and so on getting on board to make some specific uh, so content. What yeah, about sure. content creation? Do the handsets actually film 3D yet at all? Or um, with the there's actually some pretty good cameras in the um, the Note 4 so it's got a six, 16 megapixel um, the main um, camera with optical image stabilisation, that seems to work reasonably well haven't done a sort of side by side comparison um, with the iPhone 6 Plus or the Lumia 930 um, but yeah that'll be interesting to look at, my first impression was that, that optical image stabilization when you're taking video and so on shaky hands it seems to handle it um, seems to handle it pretty pretty well uh, but the other thing on the note 4 is a pretty high def front facing camera 3.7 megapixel mm-hmm. which is reasonably unusual but we're starting to see that tilt towards higher definition so you can you can take yeah, more detailed selfies and so on, <laughs> um, and it's got that uh, wider angle. So if you're trying to, you know, take one of those, you know, crazy selfies with you and you know, hundred other people in it, um, that you, you might be actually you know, fit that in somehow. I'd so. be really interested to see with the with the gear, uh, the VR, because you've got the camera on the front or on the back, really, of the phone. Whether you can, you know, developers will take that and start creating some AR type um, experiences, yeah. you know, where you can still see through, effectively see through the, the VR, but you can add on your own stuff on yeah. the front. So augmented reality, yeah, augmented reality so stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah merging so the real world yeah. with the with the virtual world. So you can go out in public and look like a real dork. Yeah, you can be walking around with it in the street. People already do that anyway with Google Glass and stuff. So what's the difference? <laughs> I, I would say compared to wearing it's a something that's, yeah. that size, Google Glass is yeah. kind of very sexy <laughs> in comparison. But uh, yeah, that's true. All right. Um, oh, the and one one last um, thing, just with the Note Four, is this is the first first handset I think come across which has got uh, LTE uh, Cat Six capable. So that means it's technically it may be able to go up to or is designed to be able to cater to. 300 megabits per second um, LTE, which I don't think our networks are uh, generally delivering at this stage. Um, but that's um, that's pretty cool having that built into mm. built into the phone. So uh, in reality, you don't usually get quite those sort of uh, speeds, but um, that's right up there with um, with UFB speeds, isn't it, Oliver? 
Yeah, it's not. You're not talking about the same kind of thing, though. I know, I know, <laughs> you're not, but um, that's pretty cool to have on a mobile, yeah, mobile yeah. device. Have that that type of speed, technically, um, and it's got a pretty big chunky uh, battery on it. And um, Samsung were telling how quickly you could uh, you could charge the Note Four up in, and sure enough, while we were sitting here in about twenty minutes, we charged up to about twenty six percent. Yep, and we're uh, and, this, and this is a, I mean, a big a big battery. Um, uh, thirty-two hundred and twenty uh, milliamp hours, so uh, bigger than just about any other uh, yeah smartphone out there. And after using um, the, the VR at, for a while, the top end. after using the VR for a while, we're down to seventeen. So. Yeah, so you you are going to chew through the juice if you're uh, if you're jumping into that world. Um, and then we have got one other gadget there from Samsung, which is sort of launching, well, not quite alongside, but certainly announced alongside locally, uh, and we're still waiting on price on that. Is another smartwatch. Have there been enough smartwatches this year, guys? I still don't have one. I can't find a useful one. Will this will this change it for you though? We were talking earlier, Oliver. So I mean, we what we've got here um, with with the new um, um, Gear S is you know both you've got those sort of health type capabilities and so on. So you've got your continuous heart rate um, monitor built into the back. Um, you've got this. Nice big screen that sort of curves around your your wrist a little bit. Um, the two inch um, Super AMOLED um, display, and you've got three G built in, um, as well as Bluetooth and Wi Fi. So you actually got a SIM card in there, yeah. so you can leave your phone at home, go out for a run or a cycle ride or something else, and your phone calls can still reach you should you so wish them to by putting a divert. That's place. potentially the the. The changer for me on on going from from not using one to potentially using one for things like you know going for a run. The other smartwatch is yeah great can take your heart rate and all that kind of stuff, but you still got to carry your phone in your pocket, so it's just more bulk. Um, if you can have this as a standalone device, perfect. You know, I leave my phone in the office and go for a run at lunchtime. Have this can have my you know Runkeeper apps and stuff like that on it. Perfect. Yeah, especially if you're using like say something like two degrees where you can actually do the data sharing plan across the multiple sims and not have to have. Mm separate accounts that you have billing separately and that yeah. kind of stuff and if you could do like a, some kind of seamless message forwarding yeah I think you're probably a bit stuck with, both, with SMS things, yeah. uh, messages although I'm sure there's some software layer that they could put in place to uh, yeah. you know to, to cover that with the used, link between used to be able two, to do so. that on the um, old CDMA network the telecom <laughs> So is this, this is running Tizen. So this runs, yeah. So instead of this being um, Android Wear, this runs the um, Tizen operating system that Samsung have been, uh, yeah, started starting to use for a few other uh, bits and pieces in the so background. I'd say it looks very gorgeous. The screen is very clear and bright and vibrant. It, it is, isn't it? Real punchy. But I'd say if I was to buy a phone, a phone watch device, something that's tied from one manufacturer to another, I. Mm. I'm not sure I'd want to be tied into that close to for a separate device, whereas Android Wear is kind of compelling in that I could have, say, a Sony watch and a Google phone or a different brands, but they're still talking to the same services. Yeah. You the, might you might find not everyone feels that way though. I mean, a lot of people will buy all Samsung or all Apple or true, you know, etc. So I think yeah, you know you will get different different you know. I hate um, that I have to do that though. Sure, <laughs> I well, do it, but I hate the idea of it. Well, I mean, there was an article I was reading the other day about um, Fitbit not supporting um, the Apple Health Kit, right? And, and being Health Kit kind of about kind of like taking all of your health data from all of your devices, all of your applications, and then sucking it into one central place, which is what everyone really wants. It's like you don't necessarily want to use the entire provider because not everyone provides the same kind of functionality. Mm. Whereas I think the same kind of thing here is if you've got the Samsung health stuff, well, I've got a Fitbit. I don't really want to have a Samsung watch just to get my pedometer. Mm. I want that data from here or my Wything scale. I want to get the, my weights and stuff from that device into the same software so having that well I guess there are there there are some standards and so on so um, so you can often link these different bits and pieces together so that's not necessarily as much of an issue as as you might think yeah I think that will come down to the apps that you can get on those devices Mm. more than anything so yeah I don't think that that's a that's a necessarily a, a killer at the moment um interesting things in there there's a um there's a sleep app to record your um 
your sleep chart, your sleeping and so on. Um, there's also in this, and this is something I think is quite unique, is a, um, a UV meter. So you can um, actual live measure UV index. And the idea with that is to be able to sort of warn you too much time in, in the sun on the beach, that sort of thing. Nice. Um, so Are you going to wear that on the beach? Uh, well, it should be it <laughs> should be um, semi semi waterproof. Um, is it sandproof? Sandproof. Well, that shiny screen looks like it's going to scratch to hell. That's the thing, and like you said about the sleep app as well. Are you going to wear that to sleep? It's it's huge. Yeah, I'm not one that tends tends to wear um, watches to sleep, mm. but uh, you know, I know some people that that have done that sort of thing for you know for health purposes. So um, yeah, you you, pr- mm. you probably could, but it it is. Bigger than your average watch, but it isn't super heavy. Yep. Um, because it's not a big chunk of um, of metal on your wrist, and that does um, that does help. So. I, mean, I think I think it's very cool. Like it, you know, developing the category is you know all for that and adding new features and trying things out. Um, some stuff I just you know for me I can't really see a good use for it, but I'm sure something will come along that'll just make me think. Yeah, now I want one. Uh, and you know, everyone will have different different reasons in the future for that. Mm, mm, mm. All right, so uh, mo- moving along, um, we've got two handsets from uh, the newbies from uh, from Sony. Now, they're not launching quite as soon as the Galaxy Note 4. They're coming at the uh, end of the month. So uh, we've got here the Sony Xperia Z3 Compact, uh, which Mark's just having a look at now. Uh, and we've got the Sony Xperia Z3. Now... Mark, you're quite a f- fan of the, the Sony stuff, noting that you're sitting there with your Xperia Z2 um, handset and your Xperia Z2 uh, tablet there as well, um, which together are, um, are quite a nice pairing. The, the Z2 tablet actually, uh, like the, the Xperia Z um, tablet, sort of really, you know, stood out to me from the perspective of here's a really nice slim really slim tablet uh, really nice feel to it um, and it's waterproof as well like the uh, like the smartphone kind of cool mm. very lightweight very thin very easy to just carry around and use and reading ebooks you can or comics you can just hold it quite well whereas some of the Sa- one of the Samsung Pro tablet that we were just looking at before I found that quite heavy yeah, I mean that's their twelve-inch class tablet, so that's designed really as a, or, you know, almost as a, um, um, a, yeah, a device that can do what a laptop would do as well. So you know, hence the bigger screen. It is a more professional device, and you've got the stylus and so on that comes with it. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a, a different target. But uh, yeah, I think the the Xperia Z is some very is some very nice kit, um, and then we've got the Z. Compact, which is being launched at the same time. So the full size one is nine nine nine. Mark, now you bought the Z two. I think uh, that was an exclusive with Vodafone just a few months ago. It's about six months ago. About six months that ago, that they launched yeah. into the market. So Sony are doing something unusual with their uh, with with I guess their flagship um, handsets, and that they're releasing new ones every six months. Every six months, whereas everyone else is generally more around the twelve months. Although, of course, you know, with the likes of Samsung, they've got a whole variety of products. And, yeah, the S3, S4, S5, those are usually around a, a year apart. But then we're staggered to when the Notes have come out, so Note 2, Note 3, Note 4, um, that's, that's launching this week. They've been, a, you know, a, around a year apart. Um, and so Telecom are doing the, um, uh, the sort of the exclusive distribution on the, uh, the Xperia Z3. Um, quite similar in specs to the Z2 in many ways, um, but a little bit slimmer. How do, how do you like how do you like it sort of side by side? Does it sort of grate you a little bit that there's a new model so well, soon after you bought one? Or, well, I, um, I knew there was the new model coming out, and I remember reading the press release where they said we're switching back to a six-month cycle, and I was like, eh, well, I, I want a new phone now. And frankly, the, the actual capabilities don't look vastly too different to actually make me go oh i really wish i had waited six months yeah i th- i think uh one of the one of the areas that uh um well one of the things in there is uh you know our mobile networks with their their, their 4g networks 
have started rolling out that uh, 700 megahertz uh, band that came free when the analog TV was turned off. Um, and this, along with the HTC uh, One M8, is you know one of the very few handsets um, that yeah w- was able to support the um, the the um, LTE band 28 or that 700 megahertz um, band, which will become useful in some parts of the country over the next sort of 12 months. There's not a whole lot of it turned on at the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's great to see this becoming available because it's really only, I think, Australia or New Zealand, uh, Australia and New Zealand, that are using this particular band at this stage. So it's nice to see, um, as far as I'm aware anyway, and I might be slightly out because these things are changing all the time, uh, but we're certainly one of the first countries to be rolling out that so particular um, one, one of the things band. I was surprised to see not in the Z3 was wireless charging, which was one of the things that they were promising for the Z2 via the case. And then that kind of disappeared. And the case still isn't there, but apparently there's the Z3 Sprint Edition, which does have wireless charging. Right. So if you happen to be on the Sprint Network in the US and you're listening to this podcast... Then you're great. We would say get that one. Um, <laughs> probably not too many of you out there. No, but, but but more thinking that given that pretty much all other cell phones are now providing wireless charging... As an option. As an option, the, e- yeah. e- either via a case or via... Built in. Built in. Yeah, yeah. It's like surprising that it doesn't. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at the moment it's still the majority of handsets don't have wireless charging, but at that top end, it is starting to become uh, more common. I mean, Sony have addressed it with, with what the accessory you've got, which is the magnetic charger that it clips into, uh, where you've got two charging ports on the side that are exposed, so you don't have to pull the cover off your micro USB, um, yeah. you know, cover, you don't have to pull that cover off to plug in a micro USB cable. So it's nice that they've got that in between option. And I think that's actually, that's probably for most people is just as good as wireless charging. Um, not quite as convenient and it's a bit more expensive because the Qi wireless chargers are, you know, it's a sort of standardized thing now. Um, but I, I think those accessories are quite nice in terms of their availability. Um, I don't know, and this was the same thing last time when the the Z2 came out. You know, they were shipping some of them, but you know, I never actually got my hands on one. So sometimes the accessories can be a little bit harder to get hold of than the actual yeah, uh, yeah phones themselves. I'm, I'm still not sure wireless charging would be a, a killer feature to tempt me into upgrading yet, though. Mm, Maybe mm. for the Z4 when something else is added to it as well. And but these all, these also have the PlayStation 4 Remote Play. Which the previous versions did not, maybe don't interest you, but interest me. <laughs> yeah, well, that, and that was that was one of the other sort of yeah unique sets. Was you know obviously Sony sort of specific. Yeah. Um, so streaming streaming over your home network, streaming your P- PS4 game to your phone with a attachable controller that I've seen that has like a suction cup on the back, and you can sort of mount it like a like the Nvidia Shield little mini console. It's it works kind of like that, and uh, it's quite a good. If you've got you know kids who take over your TV, I think, and um, and you want to still go and carry on playing on your PlayStation, or, or vice versa, you want to watch on the TV and send your kids off to play the PlayStation in the other room. Um, yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty cool concept and streaming the game. I, I watched a video of someone doing it, and um, there was a smidge of latency on there, mm, just mm. a real tiny amount, but it's certainly not noticeable for you know for for everyday playing. You know, maybe if you're a pro gamer or some, pro gamer or something, you might notice it, but. Yeah, not if really. If you're a programmer, program. gamer, you're probably not going to use it your yeah, phone. That's so. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's certainly nice, nice to have that option connected mm. to your PlayStation Four, and uh, mm. yeah, and it's a, pretty and, cool. Yeah, and away you go. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's um, and I must say that the colours that they come in actually do look kind of appealing. Yeah, well, I think it looks we've, nice. we've yeah. seen that from you know Apple with the uh, the you know five S being available colours, mm. um, the, the Nokia with their Lumias. That's sort of been their big mm. thing is all these different um, colours. Although being a small market in New Zealand, we tend to get a, a pretty small selection. And that sort of pearl pearl sort of edgings, quite cool as well. I like this. Yeah, yeah so that's quite nice. Um, so you're looking at the compact there. This one's in um, in in red. What do you think about that that sizing? Um, this has got that's got a four point six inch compact uh, display, and um, yeah, I mean that, that's virtually as big as the uh, the iPhone six, you know, screen, and certainly you know a chunk up on on the iPhone um, 
uh, yeah, five and five yeah. S display. But having been on the six plus for the past couple of weeks or so, and using some other large handsets, uh, yeah, that struck me as absolutely tiny, which is funny because it's not that long ago that would have been like, that would oh have been wow, this is That's a lovely a big phone. screen. That was huge. Um, it's it's a good size for the hand. Where I, f- I found the Z two is fractionally a little bit too large to hold totally comfortably in one hand and use it, like using the thumb to do like texting or something. But I like the bigger size for reading ebooks or just yep. watching movies occasionally when I'm not using the tablet or PC or TV. But uh, it's definitely a good size to probably fits in your pocket a lot easier. It's mm. one of the problems I found with a bigger phone is like you, you need a man bag. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not quite sure you need a bag for for the bigger phones, but. Uh you do need reasonably big pockets. And if you wanted to put them in your top pocket, um, and, uh, you know, as I sometimes do, if I'm carrying around a f- to trying a few different phones, then it can become, uh, it can become a bit of a challenge when yeah. the phone is more than twice as tall as your top pocket. I think we just need a new line of fashionable jackets with like inner sleeve pockets for phones and. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you, I guess you could work all of your, um, you could work all of your, uh, yeah, your payments and so on, uh, yeah, around the gadgets. Yeah. So you could, you could get your a custom wardrobe done that, uh, would perfectly fit your phone. It's wearable tech. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, now moving, uh, moving along, we've got a couple of other uh, topics to chat through. So, um, in NFC payments, now we had uh, a little bit of an announcement uh, last week here in New Zealand. Um, now, Oliver, you're going to have to remind me the name of the um, the company. That's right, Symbol. So, Symbol. Uh, have announced that um, well, they've they've rebranded, haven't they? Because they were uh, previously not called uh, Symbol. It was called the TSM before, which was just kind of a placeholder, trusted service manager. I think is what it stood for. Um, it wasn't really a brand; it was just a thing. And now we we have tried some of these products. We've talked about them on the on the podcast before, and some of these were um, uh, you know the, the technology that the TSM was. Um, was working on or what symbol were working on. So we, we tried a mobile wallet from um, Telecom Digital Ventures previously and also one from uh, from Vodafone. So what we know is, is um, symbol really um, consists of, a, of, a, of an alliance of uh, firms. So we've got um, the, the banks involved with uh, Paymark um, and that involves some um, ASB, BNZ, ANZ, and uh, Westpac that I think own uh, own Paymark. Yep. Um, and then we've got the mobile carriers um, of Spark, Vodafone, and, and Two Degrees that are uh, that are involved with Symbol. Now, for the initial launch uh, that we're hearing is going to take place early uh, early 2015. Of course, these dates keep getting pushed out because last year when we were trialing things, we were told, "Oh, yeah, probably early, maybe mid uh, 2014." Um, now we're hearing early uh, 2015, maybe a little bit of pressure uh, coming on also from uh, from Apple Pay. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, what we hear is ASB and BNZ are um, are on board uh, for the launch. Um, also, Air New Zealand are going to be uh, are going to be involved. Uh, so once you've got uh, once you've got that um, the special SIM card that you'll need with its secure element and you put that into your Galaxy S, whatever, whatever the, the handset will be and there'll be a number of handsets that will um, will support this, uh, limited to Android at this stage, um, you'll be able to use that for payments at you know locations that use um, Paywave or uh, what's the other one called? Paypass, uh, yeah, Paywave and Paypass mm. um, for being the competing technologies from uh, Visa and uh, and Mastercard, and I think you'll also be able to use uh, use that capability with uh, with Air New Zealand as as well. So, um, be checking in and getting on the gate and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, good good to have the technology moving along. Mm. It'd be interesting to see how well it works. I mean, like what I was saying before about uh, NFC not working very nicely with my Sony in the case, that would be kind of a 
an annoyance to walk up to somewhere to go and pay something and quickly swipe the phone and go, how? Ah, take it out of the case. Take it, take it out of its case. Yeah, before using it. Well, that might just be the that might just be the case with some <laughs> cases. Yes. Um, yeah. So. One of those one of those things that might do you, do your head in a little bit if you uh, if you keep forgetting about it, but uh, yeah. you know I'm sure you would you'd mm. you'd soon become aware of that, and you'd either flag using the service because it was too much hassle and easy to get your credit card out, or uh, stop using a case, or you did, ditch your case, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. So um, get a better case. Yeah. Mm. All right. So uh, yeah. So I mean that's something I think to, mm. to look forward to for for next year, and you know, of course, the more time that goes on, yeah. um, the more payment terminals are going to be geared up yeah. for. Uh, these these t- you know types of sort of I call them tap to pay type uh, yeah. um, scenarios. So this does become more uh, more accessible, which is interesting. It'll yeah, be interesting to see what kind of security things they have around. Like I've left my phone somewhere and someone's picked it up and then just bought coffee and bought a TV or something. I guess that's not that different from if you leave your wallet somewhere and someone picks up your your PayWave credit card now and. In fact, you'll you'll notice your phone being missing sooner than you'll notice your wallet being missing. True, um, and you can cancel it instantly. You know, instantly stuff like that. So, I don't, um, I don't think it's that that big a deal. Um, and some of the yeah. some of the trials you had to uh, you had to authenticate on your phone to make it work as well. Yeah. Um, some yes. Some I believe the way it works is there's there's like a def- default it. card on there, which you know you might choose as your credit card or your FPOS card, which will be if your battery's gone or you don't do anything. That's the default one, which works in the same way as the the pay with right. credit card yep. then you can go in and choose different ones if you want to go into the app if you want to you know go from your savings account or you want to use your you know snapper card or something like that um, or apply a voucher for example yeah and by default they'll be limited to that sort of you yeah. know what's currently an $80 limit uh, you know in yep. New Zealand before you it triggers that yeah. you need your uh, I mean it's a while away from being mature but um, it's pretty exciting like I'm really looking forward to the idea of not having a wallet anymore just because there's so much junk in my wallet at the moment you know so many loyalty cards and all these kind of things which i hate using as well because of that um i know i turn down loyalty cards often because i don't want to have any more but i'm giving away you know free coffees all the time because i'm not using the loyalty cards in all these cafes so too, too much of a hassle yeah. isn't it so yeah. yeah i think those things work a lot better but uh, yeah we're probably a few years out before yeah. this sort of thing's really ubiquitous well, but we've got to get started somewhere don't yeah. we i mean yeah. i've i'll say i've been actually using uber more often mm. lately and just that not having that hassle of trying to find cards or remember pin codes yep. when I'm maybe inebriated or <laughs> maybe t- overly tired from being out of a out of a gig and it's just like uh, I just want to get in a taxi and drive and go home or something and yeah so having something where you just wave your phone and just pay for something else or something that- and all the easy storage of things like receipts as well like if you ever have to claim expenses through a large corporate you know telecom for example or Spark uh, it's not a fun process to do and. If you can st- you carry keep all your receipts easily enough on your on your phone, it's much easier. Yeah. Has there been any word on whether the um, symbol will be working with international payment systems in other countries? So, if you're going overseas on business trips, that the same technology will be working elsewhere. I don't know, but I would I would assume so because it's the pay the paywave and PayPass are the sort of global standards. I I understand as as far as it goes. Um, yeah, that, so, that's my impression. Yeah. Is that uh, yeah, you should be able to use these things. Um, I was yeah. in Australia recently and went to use uh, I think uh, PayWave or PayPass. Um, one of the one of the two. Um, and in that particular case, they were saying because it was a New Zealand card, not not that I shouldn't do it. And I queried that after not doing it. And they said, oh, well, it's because our machine auto will pick your currency. And they, you know, sometimes at airports and so on, they have a system that will let you pay in the native currency of the country you're in or the native currency of where you're from. And in that case, they make it a little, they, they make a little bit more if you pay in the other currency. And, of course, they wanted me to pay in New Zealand currency because they would actually make a little bit more on the yep, on yep. the transaction in this case. So that was why they were telling me not to uh, not to use it because it was going to default to uh, to Australian dollars. So it would have the you know, card certainly would have worked uh, mm. fine in that case. All right, so Oliver, give us a quick uh, quick rundown on um, on what's happening in the in the world of uh, of Big Pipe and your uh, your newly announced. Um, Ultrafast broadband. Yeah. So, so for those who don't know, BigPipe is um, is a, an ISP. Um, we're a, a sub brand of of 
of Spark. Um, we operate totally separately, um, separate networks, separate people, separate processes, all this kind of stuff. So um, we like to think we're a little bit different. We're, we're, we're quite small um, and we, we do things a little bit differently. We have quite a, a small target market, I guess, as well. Um, we only sell naked broadband, nothing else. Um, and, you know, our whole sort of um, philosophy is by focusing on broadband, we provide, a, you know, a higher quality service um, to, to other ISPs, or we believe we do anyway. Um, and we don't lose focus by, by adding on extra things like email or skyboxes or anything like that. Um, so we've just launched our new UFB plans into the market uh, last week, just a couple of days ahead of those other guys that launched. I forget the names. Um, and <laughs> my, my Republic was it? Something like that. One Republic. Uh, my, my Republic. My Republic. And um, and yeah, it's pretty cool. So we've launched um, yeah 100 megs down, 20 megs up as our as our entry level plan, um, which is one of the new chorus uh, chorus plans um, for seventy nine dollars uh, with unlimited data, uh, no term contract, no connection fee, first month free. Um, we think it's pretty compelling. The only thing that we we don't do compared to most of the other guys is we don't give you give you a free uh, free router or free modem. Um, we figure that a lot of people, if, you, if you're on UFB already or, you, you know, you're the kind of person that prefers to choose your own anyway, um, then that's cool with us. You know, you can, right. get, you can get them secondhand off trading quite cheap or, or you can, you know, go all out for a, you know, geek out on a, on a top end modem for a few hundred, a few hundred dollars. Right. And you're not, you're not doing a, uh, a global mode type service? No. At this stage? No. Um, is that something that you might do in the future? Is there a possibility of that? I mean, I know you say you sort of, you know, keep to, you know, you keep quite focused. You're not, yeah. not offering... Um, you know, all you know, a, a bunch of a bunch of extras, but um. well, as as a general rule, like I mean, I never say never to anything, but but as a general rule, um, if you can get it from somewhere else, we won't provide it. Um, so things as like you know, modems, for example, you can get them somewhere else, so we won't provide them. Things like static IPs, you can't get from someone who isn't your ISP, so we're looking to add those pretty soon. Right, global mode or equivalents of it, you can get easily enough online. If anybody wants to do it, they can do it. We're not going to stop them. We just provide the pipe and people can do what they want with it. That's kind of our, our thing. Yeah. Um, so no, no plans to do global mode um, at all. We just, we think it just distract us and lose focus on, on just providing great broadband. Sounds fit. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, I'm, just, I'm a little bit just trying to get my head around the, um, the, I guess the business case for offering, um, you know, open term mm. ultra fast broadband plans because my understanding is certainly, you know, if you, if, if, um, you put, put say chorus ultra fast broadband connection into somebody's home, uh, and they haven't had it before, you've got, you've got a commitment to pay for it for 12 months. Is that yep. how it works with the internet provider? Mm-hmm. So we, we basically think that, um, the, the benefit of having open term from a customer point of view, you know, they get to experience the broadband without, you know, and if we provide a terrible service, they can switch. Um, so we, we think it, we're sort of backing ourselves to provide a great service. They won't want to switch. Um, because they have to provide their own modem, um, it means they're going to have to spend a couple of hundred bucks probably on a decent enough modem for UFB, certainly. You know, ADSL, you can get one for 20 bucks or 30 bucks. Mm. Um, but for UFB or VDSL, you need, you need a good modem. Um, minimum 150, 200 probably for a reasonable one. So that's a reasonable commitment for someone to make anyway up front. So they're not going to jump onto UFB for one month and then decide they don't want broadband anymore. It's pretty unlikely. Um, so the, for the few customers that do that, that's our loss. Swings around. Yeah. About. yeah. But we'll yeah. make it back yeah. on the customers that stick around and, and prefer our service. Yeah. Right. And you're going right up to a um, 200 slash 200 yep. megabits uh, plan, which is fastest. Pretty, pretty pretty storming uh, speeds out there. I was saying before yeah. the... Um, uh, WorldNet, I've, you know, are, pro- are providing a similar uh, offering, um, but n- not that, not certainly not that quite that sharp in terms of their their pricing. Um, but this is pretty new offering into the market yeah. to get that sort of speed. So we're the first, um, I guess, known ISP, if you like, to to provide that 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 plan. Two hundred megs down, two hundred megs up, uh, for one hundred twenty nine dollars. Uh, again, unlimited data. Again, BYO modem. Again, you know, uh, no. Um, no term contracts. So the, all the big pipe plans are the same, apart from the speed and the price. Everything else stays the same. So is mm. that national, or how is that equivalent speed for international traffic? So, oh, for, for the traffic wise, yeah. Um, yeah. So with international traffic, you're never going to get the same because of the speed of light. But um, you know, we at the moment we don't have any uh, capacity constraints at all on international. We 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 buy a lot of international capacity compared to other right. SPs. Put on a per customer basis. Obviously, you know, we don't have that many customers, so we're not buying. You know 
masses and masses of it, but on a per customer basis, we provide you know a lot more um, than than most of the ISPs. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. But but we but the other sort of uh, way of asking that question around national, we we only providing this in Auckland to start with on the Chorus network, right? Um, so we started with one handover in Auckland. We're going to be adding more um, over the next few months, probably, um, likely to be either Wellington or Dunedin next, I suspect. Um, hoping before Christmas, but you know, can't confirm anything at this stage. But it'll be pretty exciting. And again, it depends. Once you go outside the chorus areas, there are different plans. The the, the other LFCs or the, the fiber companies, the equivalents of chorus, you know, down in Christchurch and etc., um, have different plans available. Um, a couple of them have, or one of them has gig, gigabit plans. Um, one gig down, twenty meg up, um, which is kind of an interesting uh, ratio. But um, we'll certainly be looking to always do the, as fast as we can get um, when we do roll out. Yeah, very interesting. Now, um, I mean, at the moment as a new ISP, I guess you've got to do everything you you, you can to sort of build up and get a mm-hmm. you know get that initial customer base. Yeah. Um, yeah. These plans do look do look extremely competitive in in the market, and especially the fact that you're not you know locked into any form of form of contract. Um, yeah. Are you are you thinking that you're going to be sitting below everyone else's prices still in one years, two years, three years, five years time? What is that going to always be your differentiator that you're you're kind of that uh, you know more vanilla type or you know offering that's um, that's competing on price? Or I don't really think that far ahead, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm more prefer to think about next month. But the um, Look, we're not really about being the cheapest, to be honest. Um, we're certainly not the cheapest when it comes to things like ADSL and VDSL um, for the moment. Uh, we'd rather provide, you know, a, a good price, but also high quality um, broadband as well. So, you know, I'd, I'd rather spend, if it was a choice between dropping my price by five bucks or spending five bucks on international, you know, capacity, I'd rather spend it on international. Um, needs to be a sharp enough price that people will sign up, of course, and get, get the volume, but um, sure. no intent of ever being the, the absolute cheapest. Yeah. We're not, and I don't think we ever have been. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you both for, uh, for joining the NZ Tech Podcast this week. Thank you very much. Now, um, Mark, where do, we, uh, where do we find you online? You're, uh, uh, you're pretty regular on Twitter, I believe. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Talios or on Google Plus with just Mark plus Mark Derricket. Um, or yeah, legalargument.com for the podcast. And how often are you doing podcast episodes at the moment? Uh, every fortnight still. Yep. Apart from when concerts like Sepultura come through and clash. We've got to represent Brazil. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Oliver? Um, so I've got, I sort of manage three Twitter accounts, really. Um, so you can find me at, uh, my personal one is um, Oliver H.M. Smith. Uh, there's the Big Pipe NZ one, so at Big Pipe NZ, uh, and then also I do most of the at Spark Ventures one as well. Oh, great! Yeah. Okay, that's that's excellent. And you can track me down, Paul Spain at uh, at Paul Spain on uh, Twitter, and um, yeah, across one or two of the other social networks as well. Uh, and yeah, you can find us online uh, nztechpodcast.com or if you're looking for other podcasts, look at uh, podcast.co.nz. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. See ya. See ya. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business.